go into prayer as we prepare to uh, hear what God is saying this morning. Uh, I really want, um, as I always do, I pray that you would be attentive this morning to what God is saying. He has something uh, that he wants to say to us, and uh, as he always does, and um, I just think that this is such an important component uh, as relates to our walk with God. And so I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning uh, this message, and I can only pray, and I pray you pray with me, that as I deliver this word, that I would do it in a way uh, that would be pleasing to God and that you would be totally immersed and you will see him and be inspired to walk out what you're being taught this morning. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Um, Lord, I just thank you. As I stand, I feel so inadequate. Uh, I feel, Lord God, that, um, Lord, to stand up behind this pulpit, um, Lord God, I I just feel like I'm just uh, so blessed beyond, Lord God, what I deserve to be able to stand here and minister. Um, Father, I pray this morning that as I bring this word this morning, that there will be something that will be said and done that will bring great encouragement to your people. These are your precious people. You died for every one of them. And God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, I can say words. I can talk. I can preach. I can do all those things. Uh, but God, only you can change, change a heart. Only you can help people to see. Only you, Father God, can bring revelation and insight. And so I pray you would do, this, do that this morning. Uh, and Lord God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been preaching about, in recent weeks, uh, spiritual fitness. And uh, we had been talking about the importance of prayer. And I trust that these building blocks have been helping you and encouraging you along the way. Your prayer life has become more effective. We have been preaching on uh, the, um, uh, the importance of the word of God. Last week we talked about his word and how important his word is. And uh, this week we're going to be dealing with the issue of obedience and how important it is to our walk with God. I'm going to be reading. I want to start this morning in Matthew chapter number three, uh, verses one through nine. Matthew chapter number three, verses one through nine. Uh, when you get there, you can say amen. Uh, and we'll go forward. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Uh, now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he warned. Uh, uh, sorry, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, "Broad of vipers." That's a nice introduction, huh? A great way to greet people. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think. To say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. I love uh, sports, and many of you know that I am somewhat of a 
I guess you want to say a sports junkie. Uh, my wife would tell you that I often watch ESPN. And I particularly love this time of year because I love championship stuff. Because I, I love to get into the mind of, of those that are champions. There's just something about that. You know, I, obviously, I love the Super Bowl. It's the biggest venue in sports. Uh, venue in sports. I love the. Uh, I even love Wimbledon when they're playing a you know tennis match or the Stanley Cup in hockey or um, you know baseball, the World Series. I just love watching champions. You know why? Because you always see them at their best. And there's something about them that is just so radical that you know that they will do anything that they have to do to win. They will sacrifice. They will work hard. And usually champions never, ever make excuses. They just do it. You remember Nike? Nike had the slogan. Uh, I love that slogan. It's, it, I think it's, I mean, I almost think it should be in scripture. And in some ways it is. But they coined this phrase a few years ago, uh, just do it. You know, and I think they said that because, you know, people tend to make excuses sometimes when, you know, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, I could I could do this. I could do that. But, you know, I didn't grow up in the right environment. I, I you know, I, I, I would do that, but things are not working out for me or I'm at a disadvantage or, you know, and you hear all these excuses about why it is you can't do something. And Nike comes along and says, just stop talking and just do it. At some point, you just got to stop talking and say, I'm just going to do it. Now, you know where I'm going with this, right? Say, for example, the word of God. We're talking about this issue of obedience. And obedience is one of those things that I think gets a slap in the face sometimes. Because sometimes you hear people, you know, I think, will have a tendency to uh, use the grace of God as a license to do something that they know they should not be doing. Paul said it this way, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. How can we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Because how many know that Christ died and he came that he might destroy the works of the devil? So God, listen, so God didn't just save you to be saved, but he saved you also so that you can be free from bondage and from the lifestyle that got you in trouble in the first place. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so I believe as children of God, we need to come to a place where we need to stop making excuses about why we don't sometimes obey the word of God. Well, you know, God understands. I'm just, uh, I'm just human. How many of you have ever heard that or said that? We all make mistakes, you know. Um, you, know uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, God knows I want to struggle here, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it because, after all, he's already kind of like forgiving me anyway, right, Pastor? So I'm good. So why don't I just go ahead and just do what I want to do? And it's a shame that believers sometimes think that way. I don't, under, I don't understand that kind of salvation because the grace of God leads you to repentance. It doesn't lead you to want to live a life. I came to Jesus because I did, that old life didn't do well for me. You follow me. I, I think you did too. You came to Jesus because you realized that the life that you were living was bringing you in bondage and it was not a good life. You needed a change. And you came to him. 
then why is it that we sometimes will make excuses about obeying God? We need to have the kind of attitude that Nike says. You know what? I'm not going to make excuses about this or that. I'm just going to do what God's word says, even though I don't fully agree with it. Even though it may go against my fleshly desire, I'm just simply going to obey God because this is what God's word requires of me. So I'm going to obey God no matter what. I'm just going to do it. You see, it's time for the people of God to stop saying what they can't do or why they're this or why they won't. But just say, you know what? I'm just going to do what God's word says. Pastor, show me what it says in the word. Okay. If that's what it says in the word, good, I'm doing it. So we need to come with that kind of faith. That I'm not going to, see, some of us, not some of us, some of those folks out there, not anybody in here. Tongue in cheek. But some of us sometimes, we, we're still in conference about whether or not we're going to obey God in some issues, some places in our lives. You know what I mean. You know, you know, you know what the word of God says, and we're like, okay, I know what the word says, but I'm going to go in the opposite direction. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? None of you do that. I, I, we all know that. So don't, this is not about you. It's about them out there. Those people need help. We got it together in here. But, you know, sometimes we know, we're just in conference. We know what the word of God says, but we decide that for whatever reason, I'm just not going to obey it. Now, God is a gentleman, Right? God will never force you to do anything. He made you in his image. He made you with the capacity to think and to reason just like him. See, God could have made you a robot, right? He could have said, you will obey me. And we could just be walking around. God, what you want me to do, God? And we can obey you, everything you say, God. But he didn't want us to be that way. He wanted us to love him from our heart because we want to obey him. You see? So he did, he did not make us that way. So he calls us to this place of obedience. And sometimes we struggle with that. And the problem is with that, though, God will allow you to do what you want to do. But, but well, watch this. This is important. Every single time we disobey a clear command in God's word. In other words, when you read the Bible and you see what it says. And you make a conscious, willful decision. Like I tell my kids all the time, my kids always get spanking for willful disobedience. They don't get spanking for mistakes. But when we say, you know what, I see what the word of God says. Thank you very much. But I'm going in the opposite direction. I'm not going to obey it this time. How do we know there's a price to pay for that? See, the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he reap. So every time that we say, Lord, I'm not going to obey you, I'm not going to obey you. First of all, we're not going to grow. We're going to stay right where we are. Okay? And then we're going to reap the benefits of the decisions that we make. So then I need to ask myself the question, if I am saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, I, I am a Christian, then what is my responsibility when it comes down to the word? The Bible says, if any man... Come after me, let him first deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. Follow me. You know what deny yourself means? Deny yourself. 
Because yourself oftentimes is going to be in opposition against God. You know, your flesh is always going to be fighting against God. You, it's always a battle. But he said, you got to deny it. If any man want to come after me, if you want to be the person that I created you to be, then you got to come to that point where you say, I'm going to deny myself what I want in order that God might have his way in me. You know, we pray that, we sing it sometimes on the screen, some, I think the hymn, there's a hymnal, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, you are the potter, I am the clay. You, you ever heard that song? When you sing that song, what are you thinking? Do you know what you're saying? You ever think, you know, when I'm worshiping, I'm always thinking about what I don't just, I don't just stand up, you know, when you see more here, I'm actually, if I can't say those words in faith in my heart, then I don't say it. Because I understand what worship is. And when God, when I say to the Lord, have that on way, that means, Lord, whatever you're requiring of me, I want you to do in me what you want to do because I'm relinquishing all of my rights. See, I'm deep preaching this morning. This is called deep preaching. <laughs> because that's the kind of preaching most folks don't want to hear, right? You don't want to hear somebody say, give up your rights. You don't want to hear somebody say, die to yourself. You don't, nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But if you're going to be a true disciple of Jesus, if you want the word of God to work, you say, Pastor, I want God's peace. I want God's prosperity in my life. I want to have a happy relationship. I want to be blessed in my finances. I want to have good health. You want all these wonderful things. And then God says, okay, got that. We'll do that for you. But, 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 but I need you to follow this. God's number one agenda. Um, this might be a revelation to some of us. But you know, God's number one agenda is not to make you happy. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. His number one agenda is not God's number one agenda is to conform you to the image of his son. That is that you might think like him, act like him and be like him in the world. There ought to be something when a person is a believer and they are an obedient Christian. There is something in your life that's going to sit, listen, that's going to send a message to everybody that comes into contact with you. That person knows Jesus. Something different about that person. You see, if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you've been hanging around folk and, they, and you say, well, tell me, what kind of person is Gary? Oh, he's just an ordinary person. Anything else? No. He, you know, he just him. See, we want to leave a legacy when people talk about us. See, when you really, so I always say jokingly. I have to say jokingly because some of y'all take it seriously. You get saved, then you really get saved. When you really get saved, everybody knows that you're saved. <laughs> That's kind of like a theological way of just really being nice, you know. Um, because when you get born again, see, there's no way to be impacted by God and not be changed in your life. You can't tell me that God will come inside of you, put his Holy Spirit inside of you, because every believer has the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of them. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit seals you. God talks to you. You have a new nature on the inside of you. 
You cannot tell me that God doesn't, God, who, who brings you into the kingdom, rebirths you into the kingdom of God, and then there not be something in your life that changes? Now, you're not perfect, right? None of us are there. We're not talking about perfection. But there's something in our life that tells the rest of the world and everybody else we know, I remember you when. If people can't look at their life and say, I remember you when, then you need to go back and check what exactly did I do? Because when you get really saved, a change come over your life. You begin to think differently. You see things differently. Things that you used to do that you know are wrong, you think wrong real hard about it before you do it again. Or simply put, you don't do it again. You just say, look, I, I, I've been changed. So it comes down to this issue of obedience. So what are we going to do when the word of God says to you? Because we've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about reading the word. But I mean, no, it's one thing to read the word, but it's a whole nother issue to obey what it says. Because that's where you find your maturity level begins to take place. That's where you will find where you become a believer that's going to have influence over people. Because you can't have influence. You and I can't have influence over people if we're not submitted to Jesus Christ. Not really. You know, we're kidding ourselves. We think that we're going to be able to, to win a lot of people to Jesus when we are not really submitted to him ourselves. And we're still wrestling with, should I obey the Lord in this issue of forgiveness? You know, because I really am mad. And, you know, people just need to understand what they did to me. You know, I've heard that. People say that to me. They come, they say, you understand, you, you don't, I, now I always, you know I always say it? So I'm going to spare you, so don't ever say it to me. I'm going to say, you're exactly right. I don't understand, and I really don't care to know. Because I don't believe that obedience to God should be something that should be negotiated. I don't think that we should sit at the table and decide, we can't pick and choose what we're going to believe about God, or what we're going to obey, in other words, in his word. I think that as a believer, I see it in the word. It settles it for me. Now, every one of us have struggles with certain things, right? You have pet sins that just keep heckling you. Have you ever been just felt heckled by some of your sin habits? So it's one thing to struggle with sin, right? Because everybody struggles with it on some level. Some of us, different things for everybody. It's one thing to struggle, but it's a whole other thing that says, I'm just not going to obey what it says, even though I see it there. I'm just not going to do it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to obey God's word. See, that person cannot expect really to be blessed because you're willfully saying, God, I'm putting your word behind me. I'm not going to do what it says. So this issue of obedience, how many know we got we to gotta take, take serious? Look at Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 46 through 49. Luke 6, verse um, 46 through 49. I'm going to teach you a little bit this morning. That's okay. I'm not going to yell and scream. I'm going to be, I'm just going to teach you from the word. How many of you love the word? Gosh, I just love his word. It's so rich. (laughs) But watch this. Look at verse 46. We'll read verses 46 through 49. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do and not do the things which I say? Now, this is Jesus talking. How do I know? Because it's in the red in my Bible. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, 
I will show you to whom he is like. Watch this. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which, which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus asked a question. He says, why do you why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? I studied that word Lord a little bit. You know that word Lord means it means one having power and authority over others. A ruler by hereditary right or preeminence to whom service and obedience are due. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? He's speaking to the disciples and people following him. Because, you know, how many of you, have, you listen on TV, you hear people say, and it just bugs me. But you hear like some big time star, some sports person, uh, some music person, and you hear him say, I just want to thank the Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then you see him on TV dressed in scanly clothing and they're shaking everything they got and they're just committing all kind of indecent acts and you know, they all kind of, but yet the Lord, he's my Lord. Now, he just might be, he just might be your savior. He might, and I want to underscore might. <laughs> but you can't call him Lord. <laughs> because when he's Lord, that means he has control. Control is not forced. Control is that I willingly say, Lord, take me. Do what you want to do with me. It's your life. See, he's not Lord until we say, Lord, have your way, and we give it over to him. Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, this might hurt me, it might kill me, but I'm going to obey it. It's like a person that is addicted to crack, and they're trying to get detox, and they put them in a room, and they separate them from everything, and they say, you cannot have crack. They sit in that room, they sit underneath those covers, and they're shaking, and they're sweating, and they're going through all kind of stuff, but I'm not going to leave here until I get free. See? We have to be people that allow him to lord over us, whereby he is in control of our lives. Because, let me know, just saying he's my lord and savior, it really sounds cute. But is he really your lord and savior? Is he really lord? Because if, if, he, ain't, if he ain't governing your life, he ain't lord of you. No, he's not Lord. He's not Lord until we say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, good, good. See, that's why I always say, anytime you want to have a dispute, a conversation, a conflict, let's look at what the word says, and the word settles every dispute. Because if we're really saved, right, then we just do what the word says. And how much more better all of our lives would be if we just apply the word and say, I'm just going to do what it says. Every aspect of my life, I'm surrendering to God. Jesus says, don't call me Lord. Here's what he was saying. Don't call me Lord if you know that you have no intention on obeying what I'm saying. You know, there are some people, not any of you, I got to say that because, you know, but there's some people sometimes, you know, they come or they may read the Bible or they may come to church and they already have predetermined 
in their mind what they're going to. They listen for what they like and what they don't like. I like that. I'll chew that good. That I ain't doing that. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Nope. That I'll do that, but that no, I ain't giving up. No, no, I'm not ready. No, 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 no. Can't do that. No. I mean, they've already had conditions about what they're going to obey and what they're not going to obey. So they 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 sit and they say, okay, that's good. And the minute you say something that goes against their flesh or something, I have you know, it's a good thing that God dials your number every now and then. You know, I've had people say to me, You were picking on me. Now listen. Now, they'll tell you, leadership team will tell you, I always say, I don't want nobody talking to me prior to service about any issues. Because I pray, you know, I guard my study time. Those of anybody who know me, I really guard it because I think it's important that I hear God. Because if I'm not hearing God, then we're in trouble. And I'm leading y'all in the ditch. I got to get before God. I got to do that. And I know that there are, there are some people that will come in and, and, and they'll say to me, and I've heard them come to me, well, well, you were picking on me. Like, I designed my whole message. I'm sitting there, right? Okay, today, this week, I didn't like how Miss Hubbard treated me today. So I'm going to preach a word to get her and let her know. Now, that must mean that she's an awfully important person. Even you are important, but, you know, you're not that important. <laughs> For me to spend my whole time, you know, Trying to figure out the, to, to get back at you. Listen, if the Holy Spirit dialed your number, say, ouch. If he, listen, if you know God dialed your number, just say, okay, Lord, you got me. Don't get mad at the prophet. You know, people get mad at the preacher. Preacher, you, you picking them. No, I'm not. God knows you. You know, God knows me. God knows what we're struggling with. God understands all that. So listen, I don't, I don't design the, the, my preaching around anybody. I try to get by myself and I say, everybody leave me alone. Let me hear what God is saying. So I want to deliver to the people what God said. See? Oh, pastor, you. Well, the issue is, let's be honest. You just, you don't want to do it, do you? <laughs> That's really the issue. Then I'd rather you just say that. Don't yell at me. Just say, I ain't trying to obey that. I'm going to be like, cool. You don't have to obey what God says, but, you know, God only tells us stuff for our own good. So if I tell my kids, you can't touch the hot stove, they can look at me and they look at they, they say, no. Now, if I let them touch the hot stove, they're going to feel the pain. But I told them that because I know if they touch it, it's going to hurt them. So when God gives you a command not to do something, it is for your good. Because God says, I know how I designed you. I know how I want you to be. So now if you go outside of what I have prescribed for you, you're going to have problems. So is there any wonder why sometimes we struggle? He says, a man, now here's why, like he says, he says, so a person that hears the word of God and obey it, right? It's like a person that built their house on a rock. The floods came, the winds blew, and beat against that house. But that house stood. It did not move. Because that person was a person that didn't just hear the word, but they sat down and they said, I'm going to hear it and I'm going to apply it. See, sometimes the winds, how many know the winds of life are always going to blow? You know, every time you think you got rid of one problem, it's going to be another around the corner. I'm sorry to tell you. You're never going to, you know, you're waiting for that moment of time where you're just going to cruise through life. It ain't going to happen. Not in this world. Just forget about it. I told my wife, she said, we need a break. I said, we ain't getting a break till we get to heaven. 
I just say, she don't like that, but I just say, we say, now is not the time to rest. Because every time one thing happens, there's something else coming around the corner. You best believe. There's always going to be trouble. The Bible says trouble is coming. The day is sufficient of its own. There's enough trouble in every day. You, listen, you cannot escape trouble. All of us are going to experience it. But what's the difference between a person that crumbles under pressure and one who doesn't? See, a person that reads the word and then say, I'm, and then obey the word of God. Jesus says, that person, when the storms of life come, because they're going to come, you're going to stand firm. You're going to stand. You, when it's all said and done, you might bend a little bit, but you're not going to break. You're still going to be strong. You're still going to be loving God. And you're still going to be prospering because your house is built on a good foundation. But he said, the person that hears the word of God, they hear it and they don't obey it. Here's what he says happens. He's you're like sand. You're going to fall. You're going to crumble. You're not going to be able to withstand the pressures of life because you haven't prioritized obeying what this book says. In Matthew chapter number seven, verse 21 and 23. Look at that real quick. Uh, Matthew chapter seven. Now, this is some strong language. And I would apologize, but it's God's word, so I can't. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have to. Read what it says. So that's why I like everybody in the church who I like you to bring your Bibles and read it. So that way you can say, you can check out what I say. I love being checked out in what I say. But, but listen, look what he said in Matthew chapter 20. I'm sorry, did I say 21? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to hear that. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day. Now, this is scary. I want you to hear this. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. He says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to get into heaven. Yeah, because everybody say, Lord, Lord, Lord. And I, I, and I was trying to figure out why he kept saying, Lord, Lord. You know, I, I couldn't quite figure that out because he says, Lord, Lord, twice. Lord, Lord. He said, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, or talk a good game is going to get into heaven. But him who does the will of my father is the one that's going to get into heaven. He said, depart from me because I never knew you because you practiced wickedness. He was dealing with how they lived their lives. See, the Bible says the tree is known by its what? Fruit. We don't like to talk about that in Christianity no more, do we? But the tree is known by its fruit. I know a Christian, you know, when you, know, when you, really, when you, get, when you really get saved, like all of y'all are really saved, but when you really get saved and you meet other Christians, you ever like had that kindredness and you just know right off the bat, boy, we, we just, we're clicking. It's like you've known each other for years. And you just met. Why? Because both of you are joined together. You, you've been washed in his blood. And it shows. It's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into heaven. So, but then he goes a step further. He talks about how this person said, well, Lord, we cast out devils. Um, we did some signs and wonders. You know what's scary about that? This person was in the church. 
Do you, do you hear me? I mean, where does casting out demons happen at, usually? In your name, there are many wonderful names, uh, wonderful uh, signs in your name, casting out devils and prophesying. What does that usually happen in a church setting? This was a person that had religious activity going on. They had the appearance of being right with God. But in actuality, their heart was far from him. They were disconnected. Jesus put it this way. These people draw near to me with their lips. But in reality, they're not really following me. They're not really following me. I mean, they're just giving me lip service. The tree is known by its fruit. Known by obeying what God, what God's word says. So that scares me. Because we got to understand something here. That we cannot deceive ourselves. In James chapter number one, I got a couple of scriptures and we'll be done. In James chapter one, look at, look at this and I'll just read it. And you're going to look up on the screen. If you have it there, then look at it. But he says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, uh, which is able to save your souls. Watch this. But be what? Doers of the word and not what? Hearers only deceiving who? You, you see what's happening? And I, I, I'm just preaching the word. I'm not inventing stuff. I ain't making this stuff up. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of person that he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I, I, I thought about that. I was meditating on that scripture. He says, um, be a doer of the word so that you won't deceive yourself. Because there's a disconnect with some people with uh, salvation and obedience. It's like this little gap in between. Somehow, for some folks, they don't merge together. He says, but be a doer of the word, because if we're not, then we're deceiving ourselves. We're thinking we're probably something that we're really not, because in actuality, we know that we're not really doing what he says. See, we're talking about here this morning, simply, you know what? I'm just going to do what the word. Just do it. Look at the neighbor and say, just do it. Don't argue with God. Don't make excuses. Because he said a man that does the word will be blessed in his deed. So I want, listen, Jesus said, you know, you hear me quoted all the time. I want you to have life and have it abundantly. To the full overflowing. God wants you to have a great life. But you know, salvation is free. Discipleship, it does cost you something. You know what discipleship costs you? Your life. It costs you everything. That's why I talk to people about salvation. And then they say, yeah, well, I used to get on the street and I used to say to them, uh, you don't want to go to hell, do you? <laughs> or say these words. And they say the words, duh. If I just say the words, that won't get me to hell, good, I'll do that. But then there was a problem. Now, this is when I used to go do street evangelism. That was a problem. Because then I realized that the same people I was talking to, and they supposedly got saved, I never saw them in church. And I would see them on the same corner doing exactly the same thing. I couldn't figure out, why are they still doing it? I thought they got saved. And get saved. So then I changed my tactic. I said, well, okay, here's what I said. I said, now, do you understand that when you say I want to be a Christian, that you got to give up all your rights, that you die to yourself, 
You no longer live for yourself anymore. You get your orders from God. So whatever God says, you have to be committed to do what he says. So it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you some friends. It's going to cost you places that you hang around. And then when I start doing it that way, they'll be like, oh, no, I ain't ready yet. You see what I'm saying? Because now they're getting a full glimpse of what it really takes to be a Christian. Because a lot of people are deceived into thinking that somehow that I can just say a couple of words and go to church and I'm good with God. Going to church ain't going to save you. It'll help you get there. (laughs) Hopefully, if it's a good church, it'll help you get there, but it doesn't save you. You have to come to a point in time in your life where you say, listen, I'm going to obey. We can preach. I can do all. I can come with the greatest sermon. That doesn't matter until you make up in your mind, I'm going to do what the word of God says. Until you and I come to that place, we won't grow. We won't experience the kind of life that God has for us. I want to live my life. Listen, and I know you do too. We want to live our lives where we're walking in the power of God. I want to be able to lay my hands on people and see who are sick and see them recover. I, I want to see people be pulled out of darkness and brought into this marvelous light. I want my family to be saved. I want my kids to walk with God. I want to be prospering in my health, prospering in my finances. I want to be prospering in every aspect of my life. But it starts with me and you as Christians with obeying what God's word says. And you'll find out a lot of people don't want to do it. And we've had people leave the church because I say to you, the bird says this, you're supposed to do this. <laughs> then what can I do? If, if, if a person is not ready to obey, what can you do with a person who says, I'm not trying to do that? You can't really do it because you're stuck. You're like been like stuck in a ditch and you're like pressing your feet on the gas and the car ain't going nowhere. You just get deeper in the hole. That's what happens when we decide to not obey God in certain areas of our life. We get stuck and we can't go nowhere. Until we deal with what God says, I want you to deal with. That's how he does it. He just says, okay, you're going to stay in that ditch until you make up your mind you're going to follow me. Other than that, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. How many of you have ever felt like I'm just spinning my wheels? I felt that way. I'm a pastor. I'll just say it. I felt that way. I've just been spinning my wheels. God says, I want you to do this. I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. See, then we start getting really mature and the guy start growing. Then the Spirit of God, you have grace. Then he just start telling you like certain things like that are not written in the word, like uh, can't play too much golf. Well, God, I don't see nothing in the scripture that says I can't golf. So I'm with golfing. I mean, that was a point in time where I was going to golfing range four and five times a week. I was like addicted because I just want to hit that white ball down the middle of the fairway. It was like a drug to me. I was. My wife would tell you. I mean, I just I, I had to go. I mean, get me to see. It was sunny outside. The, well, and the greens look good. I'm driving on the road. The greens look good. I'm turning in. I'm, I got my clubs in the car ready to go. And God spoke to me one day. I'm out there hitting the ball. Focus. Focus. And the Holy Spirit says, uh, you're doing this too much. Satan, I rebuke you. In the name of I mean, I'm having this. Now, this is what I'm, I'm going through this while I'm standing, hitting the ball. I'm going through this mental battle in my brain because the Holy Spirit is telling me. Then he started telling me, you ain't going to be doing this for long. This is before we started the church. And I, and I was like, uh, you know, ain't nothing wrong with it. You know, I'm just out here golfing. <laughs> Honey, where you been? You're supposed to be home at 8 o'clock. Where you been? Just be hitting some balls. You know. Now, you know, you start getting unbalanced. You know, because the Holy Spirit said, like, you're doing this time of 40-day fasting? 
in prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to say some things to you. He can say, don't do it. Now, you won't be able to see it in the scripture because you, you, you know you can recognize everything. But, you know, God, God is your personal savior. You know what that means? That he personally speaks to you about your personal problems. So sometimes God will say, okay, you need to stop this, and you need to don't, not do this, and you need to cut that off. And you need to not sit there and say, there's nothing wrong with it. I, can't, I, can, you know, I can justify it. No, God says cut it, cut it off because maybe it's just hindering your ability to hear what God is saying. Because sometimes God wants to speak to us about issues, but we're so locked down in the other stuff, we can't hear him. And he said, I got your deliverance right here. I tell you how to work. I tell you how to deal with that. If you're willing to do this. So I'm just giving you a warning. He's going to talk to you. And then you're going to have a chance. You're going to be having this conversation with are driving on the road, battling with it. Just go ahead and just say, remember the slogan? Just do it. Don't think about it. <laughs> Don't even try to rationalize. Just say, I'm going to go away. God, I ain't gonna, I'm not. I'm it. This, 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 doing this 40-day period, just say, I'm just doing it. If God tells me, whatever you tell me to do, I'm just going to do it. You don't want me to eat for a week? I ain't doing it. God, if you don't want me to watch my favorite Super Bowl game or the NBA Finals, Lord Jesus. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Can I be honest with y'all and tell you a little something? I really thought real hard about starting this thing after the finals were over. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I did. I said, wait, what is, this fast going to run right during the time of the finals. I can't be, you know, you know. And I said, I just got to do it, guys. Guys, said, no, start it now. And at 13, I said, okay, I'm just going to start it. I had one time when I was looking at Dallas Cowboy football. I don't miss Cowboy football games. It was a Monday night. And I've been looking forward to it. And the Holy Spirit said, don't watch the game tonight. And, I, of course, I went into this, Satan, there you go again. <laughs> and I knew why God was saying it to me because it was occupying everything. It was consuming me too much. It consumed my every being, everything in me. I mean, this was, I had to see the cow again. And I didn't watch that game. And, boy, I still remember it. As if it was yesterday. It was like some years ago. But I still remember it as it was yesterday because it hurt so bad. But I just did it. <laughs> Sometimes God's going to say, just do it. Just go ahead. Because he, he, he's trying to tell you something. Um, we got to close this down. But look at uh, the last verse, and we're going to be done. Ezekiel chapter 33. And then I'm going I'm to cut it short there because we got communion to do. And, and I think you all got the point. Uh, some of you got anniversaries and birthdays and stuff you're still trying to get through. And, and here I am talking about obeying the Lord. But look at Ezekiel chapter number 33 verses 30 through 33. Now, this is a very interesting passage of scripture. I, I like, God showed this to me yesterday when I was in study. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet. He was one of the major prophets. Uh, you know, and uh, Ezekiel was one of those prophets that would come and give you a strong word. I mean, he just, you ever make pe- people like that? They just give it to you. They don't put no sugar on it, no salt, no pepper. They give it to you straight. You know, you know, but here Ezekiel is that kind of a prophet. So, he, so God is speaking to Ezekiel here. Watch this. He says, "Now, and I want you to imagine this conversation between God and, and Ezekiel." He says, "As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you behind the walls and in the doors of the houses." Now, you know, I know that I know y'all love me, right? But I know y'all don't always speak well of me. <laughs> Behind closed doors. I know that. Because it happened to the prophets of old. So, you know, I know that y'all don't always speak well of me. 
I'm not shocked. Hallelujah. But well, well, watch this. He says, so they're talking about you behind the door of the houses. They speak to one another. And everyone's saying to his brother, please come and hear the word of the Lord. The word is that, that comes from the Lord. So watch this. Watch this. So here's God talking to Ezekiel. Listen to this. He says, so they come to you as my people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. So in other words, he says, they come unto me, the, the, the people that you talk, they come to you, they sit before you, they, 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 they sit as my people. In other words, they got the look. You know the holy look? See, when I grew up, they had the big hats on. You know, they used to watch what everybody wore in church. You know, and they just used to get the real religious look. They look like they're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost until you catch them inside the supermarket telling somebody off. They're like, whoa, whoa, sister. I didn't know you had that in you. Where did that come from? Hallelujah. So they come to you as my people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your word, but they do not do them for with their mouth. Watch this. They show much love. What did that, what did that version say? The, the, the same, we got the same King James Version? Yeah, much love. But their hearts pursue their own gain. Now watch this. He said, now they come. They sit before you. They look holy. They look like they love you. And with their lips, they're saying, Lord, I love you. And I worship you. And you're worthy to be praised. Shut up. Get out of my face. I hate you. A little extreme. But, but you get the point, right? He said, you're like a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. In other words, you know, I used to, I used to love this. When I was coming up in Old Baptist Church, I grew up where the preachers used to hoop and holler. You know, and everybody, yes, yes, yes. They loved it. Boy, preacher preached good. Oh, preacher was on fire today. Hallelujah. They preached a good word. What did he talk about? Don't know. But he preached a good word, in other words. <laughs> you know? And then I would see the same people. These are my, my folk, my cousins. And they would go to church religiously every Sunday, hear the words, but they never did it. Because they would go right back home, shocking up in the streets, getting drunk. Doing drugs, sleeping up with everybody, hating, ain't no difference, but they were in church on Sunday morning. Preach, pastor, preach, pastor, preach. But they won't, listen, they came into the church, they had no intention on obeying. He said they pursued their own game. You know what it means to pursue your own game? I come to hear what I want to hear. See, when you become really saved, I always say really saved, you say, I'm coming to church to hear God tear me up. God, step on me a little bit. God, step on my toes. Make me uncomfortable. If you go to a church and everything is always la, 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 and you're always right, you never, you know, something's wrong. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I mean, come on now. Listen, we're trying to be conformed to the image of Christ. And you, when you come before the Lord, the whole thing is, you know, when I come, when you and I come to church, here's our attitude. Lord, I'm coming this morning. Because first, I want to worship you. And Lord, I want you to speak to me what you want me to know, not what I want to hear. See, sometimes people come and they say, okay, well, I want to hear something good. Encourage me. Say something nice. Don't, don't, be, don't be talking about my sin now. 
Don't get in my business. Stay out of that. Just bless me, Pastor. Now I'll leave. Don't be stepping on my toes. Don't worry about my sin. That's between me and God. Well, I thought you came to worship God, right? So what's up? But that's how, that's how people do. He said, you're like a lovely instrument. They love to hear you preach. But, but and, and what verse is that? Indeed. Yeah, indeed, 32. Indeed, you are, you are to them as a very lovely song and one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on the instrument. For they hear your words, but what? They do not do them. There we go again. They hear you, but they really, they have no intention on doing anything that you said. One of the most discouraging things about any pastor, anybody that teaches and preaches is that you labor in the word and you know the people, they're listening, but they really have no intention on doing what you said. You want to talk about something that's heartbreaking? Because your desire, see, my desire is to see all of us come to a place where we are becoming everything God wants us to be because I believe that's the best life for all of us, right? Is being in the sweet spot of God's will. That's where we really thrive. That's where life is really, really good. And we have to come to a point where we say, you know what? I'm not just going to come to hear what I want to hear. I'm not going to read. When I read the Bible, listen, I'm saying, you know, when I read, I say, Lord, I'm always studying the Bible and I'm looking for God's ways. I'm looking at how God thinks because I want I fully intend to obey. Now, do you struggle sometimes with obedience? Yes, you do. But your heart's attitude is not. I ain't going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to read it and I can go back and say, check the little box. I did my devotion today. You know, you can worship a habit. See, we're not after that either. We're after, you know, Lord, I want you to come. I want you to show me what you want me to do. I'm ready, God, to listen, to hear what the word of God says. If it steps on my toes, if it offends me, then God, do what you got to do. I used to sit in church. You know, when we first came to Fairfax, I just got saved and I'm done. We used to come to Fairfax, and I would always, uh, I would run to get on the front row. And this pastor was, uh, is a, at that time, I would probably say about maybe three, 4,000 member church uh, from the Heart Ministries in Maryland. Uh, pastor, uh, what was it? Pastor John Cherry. And uh, I saw him on TV, but he was one of those, he was very good. He was a teacher of the word. But boy, he said, bring it. He said, bring it. He said, always step on my toes. I'd be up on the front row in tears. Do you hear me? Because I knew that he was, t- I knew that when he was preaching that he would hear from God because it was convicting me big time. And so I, I'd run up on the front row every week to get beat up. Literally. Now, I mean, he didn't beat me up like, it wasn't his intent, you know what I'm saying? But I knew I was struggling in the areas of my life. And God just kept saying, uh, you need to get it. And so I'm sitting on the, <laughs> right on the front row. <laughs> you right, you get it right. And then, you know, we'll pray and then, you know. I'll be fine, and I'll come back next week and get smacked again. But I loved it because I wanted so bad to be different. I want to conform to this book. And all of us got to come to a point where we say, I'm, I'm just going to conform because that's where we're going to really find our mark and our stride. That's where the success comes. We can't be a great people if we're not walking according to the word. I don't care what people say. We can do all our evangelistic efforts and all the building and construct. But, you know, if we're just, we don't obey this, who are we kidding? We ain't gonna, we're not going to really make a real difference until we come to a point where we just say, I'm, I'm going to do this. So I want to leave you today with just do it. If God shows it to you in his word, if what I say comes from the word, just do it. 
Don't argue. Don't fuss. I'm just going to do it. Every eye is closed. Every